You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grampierre, and today's episode is with Shura. When we started the show, there was a list of 30 or so people we knew we wanted to have on. One of those people was Shura, today's immensely talented guest. Her debut album, Nothing's Real, was one of the big standouts of 2016. It solidified Shura as a writer who can sing about deeply effective emotions while making sure the songs bang with color. Her upcoming second album, Forever, sees her continuing her journey in music. The songs on Forever are a lot more intimate than they are on Nothing's Real, which is one of the things that we chat about on this episode. We also chat about how being in love greatly inspired this album that she's made. Honestly, big ups to Sher for being part of this episode. Trust me when I say you're going to love this one. This is the 405 Exchange with Shura. Enjoy. So, no joke, it's kind of ridiculous. When we started the podcast about two years ago, almost a little bit over two years ago now, which is kind of wild, you were actually one of the first people we wanted to have on. Yeah. Yeah. And what's pretty cool is now not only are you on, but you get to talk about this whole new project that you Yeah, made. I do. Yeah. I still don't know how to talk about it, so I'm still like <laughs> figuring out how to talk about it. I'm sure it's a process, but we'll yeah, figure yeah. it out together. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. done it a couple of times now, so it's not like, you know, like, I'm not a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of questions to ask in regards to the music, but before we jump into it, I think it just makes yeah. sense to just ask, how are you doing? I'm good. Like, I'm really glad that there was a fan on, like, about <laughs> five minutes ago, because yes. uh, it's hot in New York. It is hot as fuck out here. Right it's so hot. It's hot as fuck. It's, like, a very accurate description, but no, I'm, I'm good. Like, I've got a crispy eyelid at the moment, like, from, like, some sun cream, which is, like, upsetting me, but, oh. <laughs> yeah, when you said, how are you, you probably just wanted to know, like, <laughs> you're all right. Yeah. Well, I honestly I'm telling tell you about all, my crispy. so you're fooling the world, because I'm sure the world won't be able to tell Yeah, to also, these guys can't see it, so it's exactly. fine, but Fooled. I have a crispy eyelid. In case <laughs> so that's a good way of you describing how the summer is essentially because I, I would like to say crispy eyelid is a general way we could describe a new york summer yeah already. crispy eyelid crispy pretty much everything but then also like crispy but then drenched in sweat so it's like crispy and soggy simultaneously which is just not a combination yeah i'm into a few days ago uh how it was like raining and all that like we got to experience the worst type of feeling yeah. in the world when you have like a raincoat on or like a long sleeve on and it's like you're cold your outer body is somewhat cold but inside you it's just like a layer of sweat i hate that feeling more than it was an intense rain as well like i w- i really needed some soda because i was thirsty and i just decided to go out go out and got com- like completely drenched it was like and there were like crazy like flash floods and yeah like People needed like canoes and stuff. What the fuck? New York's weird. New Why York did I move here? <laughs> Why did you move here? Love, I guess. <laughs> Tell me, how was uh, Glastonbury? Because I saw. Oh my god, play. it didn't rain. Like, yeah. how did it not rain? I've never been to a Glastonbury where it didn't rain. Um, it was amazing. Um, 
it was super fun. I dressed as a pope. I brought some some nuns. It was a joy, and I went with my twin brother, and he brought his boyfriend, and I brought my girlfriend, who and they'd never been, so that yeah. was like fun because we could sort of see Glastonbury through like their eyes. Except we were really hoping it would rain and be muddy because <laughs> we've been telling them like bring your wellies, like bring your rain boots, like, um, and they um yeah they just got like a dream Glastonbury, and we were like. Oh, shit I kind of wanted it to be like a swamp and for you guys <laughs> to be like this is hell I want to leave yeah. but wow how amazing is that because it's been a while since you because I'm sure you played Glastonbury when you were campaigning the first yeah. album yeah yeah. so it's really amazing how to play while campaigning the second and not only that but you had arguably the closest people in your life watching you yeah yeah it was amazing like so the f- I played in 2016 and it was literally a washout and we had you know I was dancing to the 1975 like knee deep in mud um, so it's nice. It's definitely nice to do it again and in better circumstances. My twin did come to the first. I mean, my twin like tries to come to festivals as much as he can because I, I don't think he really went to festivals before. Like he just didn't didn't occur to him. I took him to Coachella, oh, yeah. and I think that was his maybe his first or second festival. He'd done Reading yeah. um, in the UK, and he just he got really stoned because <laughs> um, he because he, he'd never been to LA, oh, so yeah. he realised he could get kind of. Uh, weed really easily and he just got really stoned and had a religious experience at every single gig he went every person we watched he was like that's the most amazing person I've ever seen like Matt DeMarco Mitski Warpaint he was just like having a yeah just a lovely old time one of these days you're gonna have to make that into like a book and then make the book into a movie of just him experiencing that like that week in LA yeah yeah, I really, also he fell off a cliff. Like, <laughs> okay, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> wait, what? He like went on a walk to try to find the Hollywood sign. Yeah, and I don't think he was stoned, but he had been smoking a lot of weed, and he just <laughs> he went off the trail. Which, like, if you've ever listened to like a true crime podcast, you know, or like watched I Shouldn't Be Alive, um, you know, yeah. not to go off the trail, right? It's yeah, like yeah. that's where the bad shit happens. Exactly. And he just like went too far and like slid down a cliff. <laughs> The? And then was like texting me, and I was in—I think I was in Portland, like doing sideshows. And he was like, "I fell off a cliff." Uh, started sending me pictures of his like injuries, and I, and then would drop in and out of signal. So I was like, "Oh my god! Like, is my twin gonna die in like a in like the desert in Holy fucking shit. LA?" But it was fine. He yeah. like, he found his way. I mean, clearly he got to yeah. see you in Glastonbury. Yeah, he's still alive so he's as alive. of as yeah. of today, That's as amazing. far as I'm aware. So <laughs> fuck it up. Yeah. Well. If he's listening, I'm sure he feels very appreciative that you talked to him to explain what you did. So yeah. if you're listening, twin, hello. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Um, He'll definitely listen. Yeah. Um, so one of the real big things I want to ask you about is how you're back with a second album. And what I got the sense of when I listened to it was that it's very much that. It's an album. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's singles you've released. But when I listened to the whole thing, it was very much clear to me that you made it with the intent that someone sat, would sit down and listen to it from start yeah. to finish is that fair to say oh absolutely i think and you know what the funny thing is about making an album in that way is that you know that 90 percent of people don't consume records in that way but you just don't you just like sod it i'm gonna do it anyway yeah. um i think it's because I, that's how i listen to music i just listen to records and then eventually i guess when i'm like really familiar with the record then i might go like okay i, I really want to listen to this one song on repeat 20 times and have my like whoever's in the room with me be like can you please stop but um but yeah I just I always yeah I always try and make it be something that makes sense as as a 40 minute like or 45 minute piece of music as well as like individually like 
it's part of the fun of, of kind of making it. And it's really hard, actually. Like, I remember the end kind of, you know, I knew what the first four would be, four, first four tracks would be. And then I knew what the last one was. And then it's just trying to like, you just have to keep listening. You know, I mean, you have to keep listening to your own record in different orders and go, wait, no, that doesn't flow as well. And so it's, it's definitely like difficult to get right. And people don't get it right sometimes, I think. Yeah. Um, I think we did on this. Definitely. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, I couldn't help but wonder when I was listening to the album and I would def I mean, I guess I should describe it what it sounds like, at least to me. It sounded like listening to dreams in a way. Yeah. Like it kind of felt like listening to you, what goes on in someone's mind when they're like in and out of sleep, like kind of like that half sleep dream state, but then yeah. sounds from outside of the world almost influencing what goes on in your head. Yeah. That's a really nice way of describing it. Like I hadn't thought of it in that way. Um, but also I love that. I love that that feeling of like being on that periphery of consciousness when you're kind of half, you're half awake and half asleep and, and your mind sort of does really crazy, like crazy things. Like one, this isn't a crazy good thing or, or necessarily a crazy bad thing or, or a crazy fun thing. But one time I was like half asleep, half awake and like could hear the bin men, like the, the I guess the like the garbage collectors outside my apartment and like they weren't there. Like it was just like a, like a weird like, dream hallucination thing like well, that's, that's not how my album sounds <laughs> no that is for the record that isn't how your album sounds but i was like why are the bin men why are they here at like 4 a.m this is so annoying like and then i'd be like i know this isn't real so i don't want to open the window and shout at them but then because i know they're not there but at the same time like I need to like wake up enough to like stop hearing it. It was really strange. Yeah. When you have an album like this where the song sounds so concise and so lush, do you remember where you were like at the start of the process of making it? Like I'm really curious to figure out like to hear actually where you were at the start of making it, creatively speaking. I'm trying to think. Well, because mo most of the time I write like in a studio, so it's yeah. So I'm trying to think if there's like any any of the tracks where parts of them were like written anywhere like written anywhere else like so in in a way actually you know the answer to that question is really dull like it's like I just remember being in southeast London like yeah. in a cave with like no natural light but um but I kind of like that I like the kind of se sensory deprivation of like being in the studio and what I would do is I would like there was this like chalkboard where like a wall that was painted like with I guess matte black and then I would um like draw on it either like really bad because I'm not really good at drawing like really bad images that I wanted to be a part of of certain songs or just words that w wouldn't even necessarily become used in the lyrics but were just words to do with so I remember doing it with like the song forever and like I drew the ferris the, the ferris wheel from Coney Island because it's sort of about a date that, that uh, we had in Coney Island and I, I really badly drew a ferris wheel and like wrote down the word popcorn and then my the the guy I produce and write all my stuff with Joel was just like popcorn porn and I was like what popcorn porn so we wrote down popcorn <laughs> porn fuck? and we were like why why is this like why have you written this down but it's just like really funny to have it like sort of staring staring at you whilst you're sort of like but yeah it's just I like to write yeah I like to have images in my mind when I'm writing so it would be like talking about kind of the different like the snow cone stand and stuff and all the different and obviously I take a lot of pictures yeah. when I'm when I'm just out and about and we would we would sort of like collect a folder of pictures for different songs and in fact 
the on the deluxe there's like a deluxe version of the record that has like a zine that we made with all my photography and each song has a different sort of page with different photographs that were part of that kind of collage I guess that I would make yeah wow what a great endorsement to get the deluxe then yeah yeah. get the deluxe (laughs) I don't even think it's that much more expensive and you get like a free song yeah well you're not free song because you paid for it I guess but you know what I mean well you know it's it's interesting like as you were answering that now I was like wondering to myself like I wonder how different the process of making this was in contrast to the first record but like I thought that for a second and then just hearing you talk about just everything that went into that I imagine none of that was going on in making the first record because it was just a totally different type of headspace and world totally different and also you know they say this about like debut records but it is true it's that you have your whole life to make it um, up until that point you know every experience you've ever had and and this um, whilst in many ways I think I did there were documentary elements of the first record so it'd be kind of taking um, you know the audio recordings from home home videos that my dad had made of us as kids so I would put those in like this this record is at, is completely just a document like a documentary in music form of my last three years um, everything that I've written about is something that's happened in the last three years in a way that's that's very different to my first record um, and it was really fun like it was a really fun part of the challenge of um, and actually one of the reasons why I spent kind of a year making sure that I did things and lived life and fell in love because I was like I want to be able to draw upon like a very specific time period rather than just like my life up until this point um, I mean I, who knows what I'll do next time but that was just sort of like a challenge that I set for do, myself do you know what's hilarious because we've done a lot of these talks with artists and uh, like I always find myself thinking this with certain albums and they'll confirm it to me how they always find themselves surprised by the moment in time they wrote about and sometimes you almost hear it with a little bit of like I don't want to know a contempt's too strong of a word but almost like a bit of like it's not that they wish that was the case yeah but you kind of provided like an interesting almost antidote around that where so many people will write about a breakup and it's like obviously it'll be like a well of like inspiration but then afterwards like fuck like I'm kind of making this more significant in my life just because I wrote about it but you almost found a way to like steer away from doing that. Yeah, well, I guess it's also a different. Emo- it's a very different emotion to like a breakup. Like a breakup is a bad thing that happens in everyone's lives at some point, more or less. Unless I guess you never date anyone, which is also a way of, you know, living your life. <laughs> but say you date someone, you're probably going to break up with someone or have someone break up with you. Um, and it is like it does provide like a wealth of inspiration. I think any extreme of emotion is a really great source of inspiration um, if you're creative. Um, I, I personally have just had a really great three years. I mean, of course I've had ups and downs within within those years, but like, you know, I fell in love and I had to find a way to be able to write about that extreme, which is an extreme that I've never, a type of extreme I've never had to write about before, or certainly never, like, I can't think of many songs that I've written in my life where it's been like, because I'm, I've been in a good place. And I would say 95% of them would have been written in the last three years. So it was like a, yeah, it was just like a totally different approach musically and like lyrically and it's been really exciting. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because like obviously that element of how, of being inspired by love, it's very overt when you listen to the music, but, and I mean this, I'm not just saying this because you're sad here, but it was really interesting living with the album, listen to the songs like day in, day out. And then it was like, wow, these are probably the 
most non-cheesiest love songs I've ever heard. Which is funny, like, to say that, because I did rhyme together forever with each other, and my dad, like, laughed out loud when he heard it, and he was like, <laughs> I can't believe you've done this and somehow managed to get away with it, and it's really <laughs> fucking lame. And I'm like, Dad, you're biased. But no, I, the, I, I hope that that's how it comes across, because, you know, that there is always that fear when you write, like, you often feel like, I think, people don't want to hear about you being happy, or like if you if you are singing about being happy that it's going to be really annoying in the way that sometimes when you see a couple like walking down the street and they're like being super cute and you're like oh please just like <laughs> stop being that cute but in no I guess that emo- that reaction would be maybe if you weren't feeling like in a good I I don't know because I I. I'm kind of into like PDAs as long as they're not like okay if I wasn't here would you be having sex because like, <laughs> that's too much. Um, but yeah, no, I hope I hope that it's that it's like cheesy just but it just in the like the right amount way in that kind of way that in that way that I guess when you are falling in love you are just like you're not afraid to be kind of joyous and like you're not afraid to I don't know start singing like out loud on the street like with your partner like a song that you know and not care what basically not it's about not I feel like the vibe is to not care about how you might be perceived it's like that because that's what love is isn't it it's about when you're in love it's like you don't you're almost in this bubble of like not worrying about being judged yeah Um, it's honestly one of the best feelings in the world yeah um you know, I think that's very evocative within, like, like if I had to think about one word to describe the album, which I hate, like, that's even a thing people say, yeah. but it is something that can be done sometimes. And I think in regards to your album, yeah. it's very much the word intimacy. Yeah. It's very intimate, even though there's, like, these really big sounds and these very yeah. lush moments. And I wonder if that contrast was, like, deliberate in a sense, where, especially when you describe yeah. how you're making the album. Yeah, well, I think I think I'm always I'm always definitely interested in there being like a tension between two things. So with the first record, it was like songs that if you listen to the lyrics would make you cry, but that if you listen to the music would make you want to dance. Yeah. Um, and I think I always think that's interesting, like wrestling with the, with those two kind of maybe counterintuitive things. And I think with this album, this record is in many ways quite bombastic and quite loud and joyful, and yet you know lyrically is quite well it's, it's very very personal and very detailed and um I, w- I don't know if I, I was consciously wrestling I don't think I was consciously wrestling those two things but I do just wonder if it's sort of just my nature as as a writer is to kind of be like very detailed and write very personal things about I don't know so I'm thinking of like a song like side effects when I'm talking about it being minus 13 degrees celsius and freezing in an airstream like in upstate New York it's like well I don't need to give that detail in a song for someone to be able to relate to it if anything that might make someone not relate because they're like what the fuck's an airstream (laughs) minus 13 doesn't seem that cold if you're in Fahrenheit I don't know like if you're not working in Celsius it's like what is upstate what is this thing (laughs) yeah what's upstate well I don't say upstate New York but um but that's where it was like where it happened uh you know just kind of going deeper into that like this is another compliment. I'm giving you so many compliments. Today, I, I, like, yeah, let's make this an hour. Yeah, this is great. Take, this take is the best on. podcast I've ever done. <laughs> no, but what I loved of listening to the album, like, I think halfway through, I started to realize that, like, wow, it would have been so easy 
for this to have been like a lo-fi album album for yeah. lo-fi songs but it really is banger after banger and like yeah. it really does just grab you yeah except for the two minutes with like princess leia and tommy where there's like no drums and it's all about death but like yeah. everything else is definitely like a, everything else is like a bop but um yeah i mean the i mean the way we like approach the recording was slightly different with this in the sense that we with the first record it was all pro a lot of program beats and everything was done very much to the grid and this was real human being musicians playing together sometimes at the same time so bass and drums was all done together live and we you know we obviously edited like takes so it wasn't like in one take although i'd love to do an album that way one day but um one of the techniques to try and get like that we used to try and get so we wanted like a you know a combination of like recording techniques from like the 70s which is obviously was a you know that era of music was a big inspiration for this record but then also have you know very modern things so one of the things that we did for kind of i guess like 70s world or like uh, was to like um track all the drums and the bass to uh, two inch tape so that's why you get i guess this kind of like hiss across all of the songs in the record it's like the not just the noise from the tape um, recording and then obviously the vocoded like vocals and stuff would be like the modern element and um yeah so there was kind of like techniques like interesting things that we did to try and get the record to sound like as warm um and kind of flamboyant and at the same time like very modern um yeah that's awesome i want to start asking about like some specific songs now um brooklyn london was the first track we heard off the album mm -hmm. um this is one where I mean, this is one of those songs where I imagine it kind of goes into what you're saying before about details. Like when you listen to that song, there's so many details you're giving. And I remember like when I listened to it the first time, I was thinking like, I think so many musicians would want to keep so much of this stuff to themselves. But yeah. now here it is where you're not just sharing things, but it was the first thing people heard yeah. in the Kongs of the album. Why do you feel it was important for you in that particular song to share so much? Um, I think, I think it's, I do think it's in my nature to, to, um, to just write in great detail. Um, I'm just sort of interested in detail, whether it's lyrically or, or musically. I just, I love specificity. I'm, I think it, I, am, I am really a nerd. I mean, last night I was watching a documentary about how they built a sarcophagus over Chernobyl to like stop it, the, the current sarcophagus from like, I don't know, crumbling and like there being another nuclear disaster. I just like details. It's like, right. I don't really care what they're about. Like I'm just, it, I, I guess I'm just a curious person or I'm an interested person or an engaged human. And so it's satisfying to me to engage it, it, in that way creatively. Um, um, and I actually, I think that was one of, in terms of production as well, one of the most sort of, there's a lot, there's, there's kind of like, simultaneously not a lot going on and lots of little things happening every now and again which was a really fun process so there's there's kind of it's pretty much bass and synth and drums for the first part but then this weird saxophone that I pitched through kind of well I pitched and then also put through weird delay pedals and and would just spend hours just doing different takes and then there was this one take where it sounded like a dolphin and I was like fuck that's the one like I want the dolphin in this song and I don't know why, but um, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I guess I wanted to share that first was just, I kind of felt like it just encapsulated, just, I guess I'm trying to answer also your question rather than just talk no, randomly, please. but <laughs> is that 
thematically I felt like all the because sh- that song sort of shifts it evolves and it kind of covers I guess like the main themes of the record which is kind of like desire longing um you know physical distance and physical proximity the combination of those two things and desire but then also love um and how that you know how a relationship shifts in that way um and it also just has a really dramatic introduction with strings that I was like I really like the idea of like <laughs> putting out a track after like three years and people just listening to this string line and being like wait is it cutting out because my headphones are broken or is this actually like <laughs> what what she wanted it's all in the details yeah I guess, right? yeah I really love uh, within that track as well, like the breakdown of instruments that happens like past the three minute mark. Like, yeah, yeah. That yeah. just mesh and it's like a battle, but everything's surging and in sync. Like it yeah. just, it's a payoff. Yeah, absolutely. That's sort of the intention. And also just kind of like feels like it all coalesces to this really joyful moment where I just, I guess I just imagined myself and my girlfriend like skipping down the street in Brooklyn with the sun shining, singing singing that portion of the song like out loud to each other. I kind of feel like I've done like written the music for a lesbian musical that no one's written the, <laughs> the script for. And in fact, I, like, I've done a kind of like an acoustic, like a stripped back version recording of that, that track. And there's like, instead of singing the outro myself, like I put, there is, I did a recording in, so basically I started singing the song in public yeah. like walking the streets through Brooklyn because I knew it would activate my girlfriend to start singing it with me <laughs> and I started recording it on my phone in my pocket and then I've just put that recording at the end so it's sort of like I did also make that like that imagined thing a reality um, so one day we'll share that at some point yeah that'd be really amazing it's like yeah. half the press never told anyone that oh, look exclusive not so exclusive <laughs> Uh, Everyone's gonna be like, I don't care. Everyone's <laughs> gonna be like, sounds nice. Yeah, sounds nice. Bye. <laughs> I'm not happy. I switched enough. off at like dolphin. <laughs> Princess Leia is one of your best songs, and uh, I'm really Thank keen you. to hear more about it because this one is just a prime example of like how vast a song could be. And uh, yeah, what is it that made you want to make Princess Leia in this one? Well, firstly, I just want to say thank you for saying that because it's my favorite song I've ever written. Um, it's also probably one of the most different songs, just sonically, to certainly to the first record. I think it's probably the furthest away, yeah. um, but I in a good way. Like, it, um, I wrote the song. Um, so, well, there's a song on my on my on the record called "Flying," which is about me being afraid of flying, sort of, but also not really. It's about being in love and other shit and uh, being happy. But um, I just, I kind of really wanted to write, I guess, I guess lots of weird shit happened to me on planes. So I was on a plane, landed in Dubai, on the way to Australia to a text message that Carrie Fisher had died from my girlfriend and I was just heartbroken. Um, also was like, this is fucking weird because she was on a plane a few weeks ago and the reason she died is because something went wrong on the plane and they couldn't get well one of the reasons she died I guess is because they couldn't get her to a hospital in time so something shit happened on a plane for her I just got off a plane and found out about it and then the second verse is sort of about this time I landed in Texas to the news that this Delta Airlines flight internal flight that I'd done was had been carrying the body of a, a fallen soldier so a, a dead American soldier and we had to wait um which I was fine with. I wasn't angry about waiting. I was just really, I was just a bit baffled that it would happen on like a commercial. Yeah. I wasn't, it never happened to me before. And we waited for, for them to be taken out in their casket, covered in an American flag. And um, there were lots of, 
yeah, I guess it made sense because there were a lot of military people on the plane and I was a, being nervous, a nervous flyer. I was like, why are there loads of military people on this plane? Like, what, what are they expecting to happen that, like, we need all these guys with guns for, yeah. like... But then it made sense when that happened and they all stood stood up and I was just kind of crying and there was this, um, I guess, a brass band just on, on the runway playing, which is why I, I really wanted to use um, a... a brass arrangement in the song to kind of and it, which comes in in the second verse when I'm singing about that bit because it's kind of I guess a musical representation of what was physically I was experiencing um, and I, I, it, that was really thrilling for me because I got to ask Will Miller who plays with Whitney live to do the arrangement and he said yes and I was freaking out because I love Whitney and I, I love him and his music um, but yeah I guess I, I decided to write a, a, a song that kind of consisted of details about weird shit that happened to me when I've been in or around airports or planes, and because I'm afraid of flying, it, it sort of became a song about death um, and my or my perceived death through the death of like a hero, or like in the way that like when when a hero of yours dies, there is this part of you dies because you that you go like oh they're not they're not superhuman they're not a superhero in in, in the way that if you know when touch wood it's not soon but you know my parents when they die that you, you grow up believing that your parents are superheroes and then when they when they die you're like oh shit they're just mortal like everyone else fuck that means I'm mortal as well like yeah so it's just I mean I haven't I don't really feel like I've answered your question but I feel like I've just talked for a really long time about like well, sad things but I do really love that song yeah. um, no it's vastly appreciated and like you did answer you kind of went into like the impetus you had in creating yeah. the song and I think what speaks a lot to it as well is that with what you were just saying there about like when a celebrity dies how it affects how it affects a lot of us yeah. when someone we care about it's an interesting contrast with the song because tonally it has like a near and I mean this like um, yeah as a comment it has a near childlike quality yeah, to it, yeah like almost a child like wonderment yeah and when you think about death and when you're faced with it even if it's someone you don't know yeah you're kind of reverted to like a childlike mm. reaction or state to it like whatever preconceived ideas or notions you have as an adult with all this information, yeah. whatever death comes about, you're just kind of like, where did that thing come from? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's something that sort of just, I think, just occasionally haunts you, doesn't it? Like, you're occasionally reminded of it. Like, most of the time, we, we're not, you don't live, not everyone, but, like, I don't live as, probably especially mindfully where I'm thinking about, you know, oh, we should really be appreciating this moment because... I only have a certain amount of moments <laughs> to appreciate before it's all over and or an uncertain amount of moments to appreciate in, in fact um but yeah no i i'm really i'm really proud of that of that track it's probably my favorite song that i've ever ever written yeah, that's a um, great song yeah thank you yeah um i have to ask about this one i'm glad i get to ask about it um religion you can lay your hands on me yeah uh again with the bangers like yeah. it's a prime example of that uh, I couldn't help but wonder when I was listening to it, like, how much did this particular song evolve throughout the process? Because I imagine the way you started writing this one and what ended up being finished is, like, wildly different. Well, yes and no, in the sense that, so it started as a joke, that I, I wrote it with the guitarist in my band, and we wrote it as a kind of reaction to all the other stuff that we were writing, yeah. so that we could kind of listen to it. Um, and kind of like cleanse our palette, so to speak, our, the ear version of your palette, whatever that would be. <laughs> um, but bizarrely, so I wasn't ever intending to write a song, but I had kind of sung over the, the synth line 
and the melody for the pre-chorus um, and the verse stayed the same. Um, I just actually put like words to it. Um, but even some of the words, so I think like it's human, it's our religion um, was in it. Yeah, so it did, so it, bizarrely it sort of changed a lot and also not at all. I mean, the chorus I hadn't written yet, so that sort of came later. Um, but it, I mean, it's still, you know, it sounds wildly different because this was, you know, we were in a basement studio in, in Minneapolis and, but that kind of synth, the weird synth that's sort of just like quite a hectic, hec the hectic synth has, it's still in fact the same thing that we recorded in Minneapolis because we tried to recreate it. We were like, we'll do it properly now. And it just yeah. didn't sound as good. It was just <laughs> like, it, the, the shitness of the synth was like, we couldn't recreate the shitness of it. We were like, really wanted that quality. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have like the strings and like the drum beat was just like me, like really crap on like MIDI, MIDI drums. Like it wasn't, yeah. And the bass line was, the bass hook actually, that's that, one of those is the same. So yeah. Was that the song that ended up kind of I mean, obviously, it's never one whole thing. Yeah. But would you say that was a song that kind of informed the direction of some of the other songs? Or is does I think it was sort of it, it, it formed. Yeah, I, for me, that absolutely. So for, for me, like touch on the first record was sort of like the linchpin of the record, from which all other songs had to somehow re get back to. And for for me, the, the song on this record was was religion because I think it's also probably the closest song to the first record. It was almost like. One, it was the first song, more or less, that I wrote um, for, for this album. But also, it just kind of felt like the stepping stone to the next record. So yeah, I felt like everything sort of had to somehow lead back to, to this track. Yeah. Um, even if it had to go through another song or, another, or a couple of songs to like get there. Yeah, that's mega. Um, and the video is really cool as well. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're asked loads about it, but I really would love to hear just what was your favorite experience making it? Because it is a really, uh, I mean, really awesome I mean, I really enjoyed being dressed as a pope. That was fucking, <laughs> that was awesome. I kind of, when I was dressed as a pope, I was like, I, I never want to dress normally ever again. This is so, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had a cape. Like, I was like, I want to just wear a cape all the time. Um, it's like useful, you know, and like stylish. Um, uh, but the funnest, I'm trying to think what the fun, it was a fun day, but it was also like, I mean, it's also like filming videos is really stressful because you normally have like one day yeah. and you're like, you, no matter how hard you work, you're always behind. Like yeah. you're always like three shots like late. Um, but the funnest thing was probably, I think for me, it was probably like the pool scene where they're like dancing in like an empty swimming pool yeah. because um, they were just, they were like so funny, like, and it was just so funny to watch nuns being like doing things that nuns sh shouldn't really be doing. Yeah, objectively um, speaking. And then we did lots of kind of takes where they would do kind of singular performances as well and they were sort of like riff you know and just make stuff up and it would be i was just laughing i was just actually pretty much laughing the whole day like when whenever i saw a nun like smoking or like lick, <laughs> licking an egg or like you know it was it was it's just really entertaining to watch i mean i had a calendar when i was a kid called like nuns having fun <laughs> um, because no, yeah yeah and it's just photographs of like r real nuns like you know <laughs> like playing tennis or you know having an ice cream and there's just something yeah, I guess because we, we see them as people who, like, you know, aren't aren't supposed to, like, do anything that might be fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a very solitary life of, like, you devote yourself to, like, to God and 
so to see them having fun is just like yeah and then I was obviously a big sister act fan so it's like yeah. that was that's how we got there like, yeah as we talked about before yeah. the recorder I yeah. bet you that calendar goes for thousands on eBay I think it's a thing I think they do them like all like the time still. yeah I feel like it's nuns having fun is like a it's like a thing like people yeah. like to, like it what is a thing what are those memes like I would love to see them like I've got some but they're just my <laughs> nuns so they're not real nuns <laughs> oh god this is totally a random aside but I was actually thinking about it last night when I knew I was gonna go to talk to you today uh, it's totally random it has nothing yeah. to do with anything but I was watching this video where this guy was breaking down uh, those Batman films from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And the ones by Joel Schumacher. And he was particularly talking about Batman and Robin. And it's like a, one of those YouTube videos that's like 20 minutes long. Yeah. And the second half of it, the 10 minute mark, is like about him just going into like how gay of a film it is. <laughs> where did that... Where did that... How did we get from nuns having fun to like... Joel Schumacher Batman movie. I can connect it. I can yeah. connect it. Sister Act nineties movie. Yeah. Batman Robin. Yeah. Movie. Okay. I see how you got there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of superhero movies are like a lot of movies are pretty gay. Like, <laughs> like Timon and Pumbaa are pretty gay. Like in the like in the original. Like they're like they're obviously friends, but it's I mean Timon's played by Nathan Lane, and like the new the new Timon is Billy is yeah a pretty gay too. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is the gay agenda, guys. Take it over the yeah. world. Yeah, <laughs> we've been secretly taking over the world this entire time. Is there yeah. like one of the superheroes films that have come out like kind of in the last few years that you've like seen by accident or went to see because you yeah. wanted to, and you're like, wow, this is like so gay, people don't even recognize it. Um, that hasn't happened. I'm trying to think. The last super movie, I like superhero movie I watched, which isn't really a superhero movie, it was like Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a that counts. Yeah, it yeah. counts. I'm trying to think if that it's... The third act of the first one. Well, both. how they I've beat the bad both. guy. Yeah. I've seen both. The way they beat the bad guy in the first one's pretty good. Yeah. With the dance-off and all. Yeah. It's pretty... Yeah. And also, he's just, like, running around, like, listening to music all the time, dancing. I mean, that could be perceived to be, like, pretty gay. Well, but... that's what I do. In yeah. My I mean, life, but, yeah. yeah. Well... Here huh. we are. Um, and then I saw, like... I mean, it's definitely not a superhero movie, but I saw the the um ghostbusters like which feels kind of like in the similar vein to like superheroes because they're like you know the one from ghosts. like the 80s the one from no no, no the new Wigan yeah the, the all the all female cast one and that's pretty gay because um what's her face isn't it why can't i remember oh, kate mckinnon, Kay McKinnon yeah. yeah what's her face <laughs> what's her face <laughs> Great way to describe yeah. that. So she's pretty gay i only have a, one more question for you but before i go into that i want to say thanks for uh being part of the talk yeah. and also when i see you live in a couple months at music hall yeah. you better play the stage because i really want to hear it yeah i need to figure out how to play that live because i don't yeah. know how i'm going to play that yet because oh. i definitely can't <laughs> play the piano like it was played by uh, um orlando higginbottom who's like totally enormous extinct dinosaurs i don't know if you know him and he yeah. he's like an insane musician like the, those chords are like some of the fruitiest chords like i've ever <laughs> I've ever heard in my life but we definitely will we're gonna play it like, awesome. I'm gonna have to you really do yeah. I love his music and I did not know that was his actual yeah name. so I wrote yeah Orlando Higginbottom and I wrote Tommy and the stage with him yeah that's massive yeah. Uh, the last question I have for you is you know we talked a lot about how this album sounds and how the, the different feelings it could evoke in someone listening to it and you know I love how open and forward you've been about how so much of that's informed by how much your life has changed mm. and how it just informed the writing so in that sense, like when you think about Forever, when you think about this album that you've made, 
what do you feel it is that you learned about yourself after the fact like now that it's done and you're like having some time with it and obviously have to talk about it more yeah what do you think you've learned about yourself um well i've definitely learned that i can write songs when i'm in a good mood which is really useful that's probably the most (laughs) useful thing that i've learned um what else have i learned maybe i haven't learned anything Nothing's real anyway, apparently, according to me. No, um, I'm trying to think, because it's a good question, and I feel like it deserves a good answer. Um, What have I learned? I think I've learned that um, talking, like, talking about, like, thing, talking about love, or, like, being in love, which is, like, a positive state of being, and like a positive emotion bizarrely like singing about that or writing about that makes you feel more vulnerable than writing a song specifically about being vulnerable so like a song like touch is a song that's specifically about being vulnerable it's about loving someone who doesn't love you back like wishing that you were still together and like declaring that to them and somehow you don't feel vulnerable like writing that because it's almost as if like well the moment's already gone so there's nothing you can do about it but there's something about singing about love um where you're still in that process of loving someone that can make you feel vulnerable because you're like already like one one that well one you know for everyone else you're like well does anyone give a shit that i'm in a good mood like is everyone going to be like you were you we preferred you when you were sad. <laughs> so on that level. Two, like, does anyone really ca- want to know, like, about, you know, me freezing in an airstream and not being able to take any of my clothes off because it was too cold? Like, is that just TMI? Three, like, you know, you're declaring your love to someone who's act- hopefully actively still in the process of loving you, but is that going to freak them out? Like, and then three, like, well, what, maybe four, sorry, I can't count. That's not <laughs> my strong suit. Um... <laughs> you know, maybe it'll all end. And then how will you feel, like, about having to perform all these songs about, like... But there's, I think, like, I mean, I, t- I touch upon it in the, in the lyrics of, like, forever. Like, you know, obviously, I, when I'm in the process of loving someone, like, I always like to think that it's going to be forever. But I also know that that's completely absurd. And so in the lyrics to forever, you know, I am talking about, like, the sun crashing down into the sea and, like, leaving us in the dark forever. Like, because I, you know, in a silly kind of way, because... It, you know, we, you know, we, we can hope for forever, but in the end, like, we all die as well, so it's not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> happy, happy note to end your podcast on. Happy, Bye. Happy, <laughs> lovely note. Yeah. Uh, no, like, all of that kind of really speaks to me, though, especially yeah. um, when you consider how love, being in love, the act of it is such a proactive act. And yeah. when you're talking about how it's, uh, it makes you feel a lot more exposed singing song, writing and singing these songs, yeah. I think it makes sense when you consider that when you're in a state of love, yeah it's so proactive you still have that self-awareness how it could end one day and you know it takes a part of you to like even though it could end someday to like kind of fight against that yeah like kind of like do your best to make sure that doesn't happen and that's like a very i think that's very as exposing as it gets from the human condition yeah i've definitely found it like definitely found it like more vulnerable being on the face of it less vulnerable (laughs) like did what did your um i know i said last question but i couldn't help but wonder like as you were talking there but do you remember what it was like 
when your girlfriend listened to it for the first time like what well, she said to luckily you? like most of the time when i would send her tracks i wouldn't physically be here yeah so that was good because it was long distance so i could sort of just send a file and then like sometimes she would reply and be like this is amazing and sometimes she'd just be like nice <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me excuse me why but it's funny because she does have like favorites but also it does it stopped like we can listen to it and like it doesn't feel like it's about us anymore like it's yeah. not like because when you finish something it's kind of like you put it out into the world and, and it's for everyone else to consume it's not like I mean we'll sing it together sometimes as a joke like but it doesn't yeah I never I don't think I ever I never I've never played her something in her presence yeah, I would hate that. That would make that me feel really like... That really does not yeah. good Yeah, that did would she, suck. Did she kind of innately know it was about, like, some of the songs about your relationship? Because I almost wonder if there was a I comment. think she must have done, but... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, well, otherwise she'd be like, who are you writing about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who the fuck is this? Yeah, who the fuck is this? <laughs> we didn't go to Coney Island. Yes, we did. <laughs> it was just really hot, and you fainted, and you forgot about it. No, she remembers. It was really hot, though. Yeah. That's why we had snow cones. Well, we're probably going to go outside and yeah. look fainting more. Sure, thanks so much yeah. for taking the time to Thank talk you. to you. I do five. appreciate it. Yeah. We did. Can I pee in your uh, bathroom again? Yeah, not in your room. Could. <laughs> yes, you totally can. Thanks. I'm not cutting that, by the yeah, way. No, no, I'm, no, not. Leave it in. I'm totally leaving <laughs> it. <in. laughs>